0: So, parenting series. When I think of a parenting series, it's really a discipleship series because we're helping raise people, right? Raise people up and you done that, you do that through instruction and direct direction and talking to them. Um, it's also a relationship series because it's got to do with our relationships around each other, you know? And, and you're, there's somebody that maybe in your life that you're not a parent to them but you're helping them grow in a certain way. And there's some ways that we can help people grow and there's some ways that we can stagnate their growth. Or, or, hurt their growth. And that's what we want to be so careful, especially when it comes to discipling and with children, of course, but how we raise them with encouragement rather than judgment or, or, or uh, conviction. You know, like we want people to grow into a pace of them loving God and knowing God. Uh, Jesus came to communicate and demonstrate what God is like, right? So what he did, he broke a lot of rules in his day when it came to how the religious were responding to him. Because he wanted to demonstrate god's love and his love for people and that's what we get to do we should be that representation yeah. it's a real daunting um uh, responsibility if you're talking about parenting to be like jesus right because wow what a, what a responsibility when it comes to your children do you always have that kind of patience you know no <laughs> we know that for sure um, and again this means not only to talk but talk about the direction they should go but be an example of the direction that we should go and that's what we want to do at Parallel Church. Could, there's a lot of people on it want to tell you what to do right. But are they walking it? That's probably the best example of raising somebody. Are you doing it yourself? Because yeah. then they'll go, okay, maybe I can do that, right? And in our parenting. And it's best done by responding to everyday experiences. There's a, there's a learning experience every single day yeah, that, that we have a choice to either grow or learn something from that experience. And, and as we grow older... The, the, the consequences are much more severe, right? Or more serious, I'll say. When you're a your little child, you get a skinned knee, but when you get older and you do something stupid, yeah, they, you could be in trouble for a while, right? There, there's much more consequences as we grow. And We had a culture cult, which I loved, and we realigned it a little bit. We get involved in people's lives no matter how messy because mm-hmm. we happen to know that this is a broken, messed up world. Mm-hmm. That's not that it's all bad, but there's a lot of things in this world that people are going to get hurt by just because of the nature of what it is. The nature of self, possibly. And the other thing is we never waste a crisis. There's a moment in a crisis in people's lives, and in parenting especially, yeah, sure. that we can have that input, that they'll remember how you made them feel yeah. at that time. Are they gonna feel defeated, or are they gonna feel victorious about the situation that they faced? Are they gonna feel guilty because of the mistakes they made, or are they gonna say, no, I can, I can overcome this? So that's what we do in parenting, right? We allow our kids to grow. We're not raising children, we're raising adults, yeah, that's right? Because right? we want them to grow into that stage. Now, I don't, I don't know if you guys know my story much, but I was raised in the 60s, 1961 to be exact. I know somebody else had a birthday yesterday who's a year a little bit older <laughs> than me. So I was born in 1960, and I was born in 61. But 1960, <laughs> things were different. It wasn't, a, it was, how old was your birthday? 1982, eighty-two. Eighty-two, right, that's when we got married, anyway. oh, yeah. <laughs> you forget, that's 42 years ago, I know that number, so I know the math, I know math, and you're just a bit older than me, but, that's okay, but anyways, 1960, things were different than they are today, like, as a kid growing up, my parents divorced when I was, like, maybe two years old, I don't remember my dad in my house at all, my dad was an uh, uh, RCMP officer, and my mom was an emergency room nurse, both very high stress jobs, So I don't know what led to the divorce or the separation, but back then it was different. Like I remember growing up, and I think maybe a few of you have heard these stories. Um, I remember walking home from school one time when they told me in grade two, and I went to Assumption School on the South Side, and they said, bring one of your dad's shirts. And I'm like, he wasn't at home. How am I gonna go to art class tomorrow? That's the pressure. We don't have the intellectual character at that age to, to understand those things. So a lot of those things can leave marks on you. But that doesn't mean that you have to stay in that position. No. But as our kids grow, we want to encourage them to, um, to grow a little stronger, right, through those situations. So, 1960, um, 61% of single parents were widowed. <laughs> wow. So, if you were a, a single parent then, most of you were because of you were widowed. Yeah, not divorced. Not divorced. 2.7% were never married. So, if you're a single parent, never were married, that's, that's only 2.7%. So, there's a lot of marriages back then. And then 35.9% were divorced, right? only 35. And I know that uh, kids living with only their mother has doubled in the last 50 years. So today's family looks different. Yeah. And we know that as, as care people, as pastors, as counselors, we, we like to just call it care. We see people in all kinds of situations coming to us. So the, the typical mom and dad all their life type of thing is, is just it's very rare nowadays we can we can learn from those experiences like me I learned from that one and I remember remember my first job anybody remember their first job as you grow up and you get out in the, in the workplace do you guys remember well I worked at Green Acres Turbo do you guys hear this story if you do don't shout it out but because <laughs> I worked at and too bad you're gonna hear it again I worked at Green Acres Turbo that used to be that's where um, Burger King and Safeway is on the, where's the South Side of Lethbridge South Side is so the end of Mary Drive there's a drive-in there and there's a turbo gas station That was my first job I was so proud Working in a gas station, man. I'm gonna make so much money. It was like two two twenty-five an hour, or something like that. I, I was just raking the money and probably fill up a car for about eight bucks. I think a pack of smokes was seventy-five cents then. I wasn't buying them, but I, I did sell them there. But anyways, my first experience. I didn't smoke cigarettes and I didn't inhale the other stuff. Story. I'm sticking with that story. Anyways, <laughs> I was working at this gas station and it was a pretty traumatic experience for me. This lady pulls up in this nice car and she had a little dog in there and it was like a fancy car. And I remember starting the, the pump on the gas and we used to have to check the oil. If you didn't check the oil, you could get your gas for free, stuff like that. Clean the windows, you had to do the full service and I was nervous, I gotta do all these things, right? So I'm filling it up and then, back then the, the things never clicked off sometimes. It was just like now they have a safety thing and this gasoline came gushing out of this lady's car. Real new car. And it was all over the road and a little puddle there. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Anyway, she gets out and begins to tell me how stupid I was. You're supposed to go, aww.
1: Aww. So I felt,
0: anyways, I was like, gee, I'm so sorry. You know, I'll clean it up and get some dry. And in the meantime, the little dog jumped out and went right up to the gas and licked up a little bit of it. Well, that sent him like running, and there was a high, hi- that was a highway, there was nothing else, There's no Costco, these were highways, and this dog started booking it for the highway, and this lady's like, well, how did you die, my dog, my poor dog, and I'm like, oh, great, and there he goes, and he runs, and he gets just about to the entrance of the highway, and he starts wobbling, falls right over on his side.
1: what happened?
0: He ran out of gas. <laughs> but <Ba-dum-bum. laughs> <laughs> I, people in the first row, the first row, was like, oh, the dog died. No, I just ran out of gas. He just, he just need a little bit more. Anyways, that, that wasn't a real experience, but I do remember. <laughs> that was my gas station joke right back then. I'd be like Joel Osteen, always tell a funny story. Anyways, <laughs> but there, you know that y- your kids are going to come home as they get older with these different experiences from the world because not everybody's going to love them like you do. But there's an opportunity to go to, to have them own their portion of it, right? And then go, that's just the world, kid. Don't let that leave a mark on you. And and I wanted to say as well, like the statistics like statistics aren't that great. You know, they're, they're, it's, it's a challenge to be a single parent. We just know that. We know that for sure. It's a challenge. But we, I've, I remember I used to, when I counseled people, I used to not threaten them, but I go, oh, it could, it's, it's not going to be good. You know, like the stats are, because I was trying to almost frighten people into staying into relationships sometimes that were unhealthy yeah. because of my insecurities I think I gotta I gotta rescue every marriage here and it's just not gonna happen right yeah. because because people end up in those situations because of whatever happens in life mm-hmm. but I, I, I've learned to not focus on those statistics but to, to encourage people to say okay now what do we do what's the next best scenario for your life how are you gonna do self-care how are you gonna to make it so I'm not going to ever say again because statistically I shouldn't even be doing this job. I should either be in jail now or something. Because yeah. back then, right? I mean, you were hang- I was hanging around like hockey rinks. You know, rink rats. Remember that term? Or they still have rink rats? You know, there's kids. Nice. Yeah, maybe there's kids smoking and, and doing. You know, again, it was because my mom was working and and I was I've kind of left on my own a little bit. So I could have gotten all kinds of trouble. But I'm not one of those stats, right? No. And Neither do any of our children have to be if you're a single parent today. You, you don't have to agree. Your, your kids are going to be fine. God's got his hand and his promise on them, regardless of what your situation is. That's one of the reasons Cindy and I are so passionate about care, yeah. right? Is because we can, we can see we can always help someone's life get a little bit better. When, when the brokenness of the world comes, there, we should be that, that hope that inspires people, not that judgment that looks down on them and they're second-class citizens because they failed in some way. Make a few decisions on your own and see if you're going to make them perfect, right? So we're, and and our, our church is full of every, we don't, we don't even ask anymore. There's so many different situations for families. Cindy felt very strongly to, to address the single parent situation here, and she's compiled some parts that she wants to share at this time, and then I'm going to share a little bit out of Luke.
1: So what is the ideal situation these days versus what's real? The reality is there are a lot of single parents, and we've always had a heart for them, but this last year it hit very close to home. And our son became a single parent of two kids. Man, when it happens in your family, it's a whole different ballgame, the reality, and you see what it's like and the challenges of it. And not only that, but what is it like to be a parent to an adult of kids? It complicates everything there are fine, you have to define the boundaries because now you're parenting your adult but not your grandkids they have to parent the grandkids even though you feel that you need to but at the same time you're trying to be a support to an adult single parent and it gets very complicated no one juggles more working single parents who share physical custody I've never seen that before until my son had to start juggling all that and we had to step in into some of it. You've got your own schedule to manage, you've got your kid's schedule to manage, you've got their homework, you've got the laundry, you've got packing them and transporting them to the other parent. Man, it's a lot. Joint custody schedules are a lot. As a single parent, you're probably used to being independent, whether out of necessity or preference. But strong single parents know that there are times when they need to be alone and there are times when you need to surround yourself with others. You need a village. We're the village. Not just us, but all of us. Even to people in this church that are single parents, we're the village. This is one of the most important things you can do as a single parent, just to surround yourself with others. Your situation may not be perfect, but you tell yourself, you are enough. And I don't think single parents do that enough. They're really hard on themselves. You are enough, right? (laughs) Strong single parents have perspective. They're able to see whatever is hardest right now isn't necessarily the biggest thing you're going to deal with in a month from now or even a week from now. We see that with our granddaughter, A. Eh? What's traumatic today may not be traumatic tomorrow. <laughs> and regardless of your family arrangements, you can help your child grow and you can develop, they can develop well. First of all, by the grace of God, by a village, and by what you do. Some of the things I wrote down that I felt that are, um, I've seen our son go through that I think has really helped is first of all, thinking about how to meet your child's needs. Think about each child individually and how you can meet their needs. You can't meet them all. It's, it's just too much, it's too overwhelming. But what can you do? Second, staying calm and managing your emotions and your response. Last Sunday, uh, Pastor Heidi mentioned um, Throwing, when you throw a dart because they were in a single parent situation, when you throw it, you think you're throwing a dart, you're actually throwing a grenade. Your words can explode, infect everyone in that family. So choose your words carefully, manage your emotions, keep your words intact, because remember the kids, the kids hear and see. Get information that helps you become confident about parenting. We tell our son, get podcasts, we've bought him books, we've Do whatever you need to do. There's so much information out there to help you to be a single parent, to manage. There's organizations and groups that you can join. Get support from family and friends. Set house rules with your kids. Yeah, not doing that so well. (laughs) There's basically no rules right now, but that's okay. Set boundaries. Be consistent and be fair. And give each child individual time, even if it's five or 10 minutes. They just need that security, that sense of stability, just you and them, we do it with them. We take our grandson by himself, and then we take our granddaughter by herself. So they each have their own quality time. Kids need schedules. They need routine. Lower your expectations. Do away with any ideas of perfection. Lose the guilt, lose the victimhood, And right? And ignore judgmental people. They're not in your shoes, and you're doing an awesome job. If possible, get along with your ex for the sake of the children. I know that's not always the case, but if you can. And then apply self-care to you single parents. Eat, right, exercise, get proper sleep. And if you need to, get therapy. There's no shame in that. Do it. What I would say to any single parent is be kind to yourself as a single parent. You might sometimes be hard on yourself. You may compare yourself to other parents, and you might judge yourself harshly. Self-compassion is about being kind to yourself, remembering that you're doing the very best, the very best you can do. Even when things aren't going to plan, you're doing an amazing job, single parents. Self-compassion supports your mental health and your well-being. It helps you feel less stressed and anxious so that you're better able to give your child what they need to grow and develop well, as well as yourself. Take time for yourself. Take a. I always tell, my mom used to say this to me and now I tell my son, the kids need a break from you and you need a break from the kids. That's healthy. That's a good thing. Self-compassion starts with noticing your feelings. If you're being hard on yourself, the next step is to remind yourself that raising kids is a big job. It's okay to find help, it's okay to find it hard. It's okay to seek help. The last step is just to say something kind to yourself, like other parents find this hard too, and you're doing it alone. So be better to yourself, pat yourself. I have to say how very, 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 proud I am of all of you who are single parents, because I know now how really hard it is. It is way more work to do it alone. You don't tag team with anyone. It's just you. Wow, you guys are amazing. Not to mention the emotional stress of bouncing between two homes. You need to give yourself a pat on the back. All you can do is be the best version of you that you can be. And I commend you.
0: I think a lot what we talk about or trying to share here is what, where our focus is going to go. Because when you get in a, in a tough situation, you'll tend to look at all the negatives in it. Yeah. Right? And sometimes as a parent, you'll, you'll be defensive in, in hoping for the best. But saying just like maybe the wrong thing at that time because of your own insecurities. I I want to try and share a little story out of Luke 15. That's the story of the prodigal son. And in this, actually all of Luke, you'll see a lot of examples of this. These terrible trials, like in Luke 15, is to teach the parable of the first verse 6. A lost sheep and then a party. And then verse 9, a lost coin and then another party. And then verse 24, a lost son in another party. There's something to be said about what we focus on when we come through a difficult situation that it's actually a celebration. You know, I'm so proud of our team with My City Care, the Cinderella Project, because a lot of that is helping us help people celebrate a situation that for a single parent would likely be impossible to get. You know, an expensive grad gown or suits or whatever those things are. But we come alongside people in that time to go, no, we're going we're gonna to help you for this. This is worth celebrating. What a milestone in your life. That's enough to, to say you've done it. Well done. Yes. So we're focusing on a different situation and reminding people where they're at. Because yeah. that's not who they are. That's just where they're at at that particular time. How can we help? We always watch for the, watch for the lost part, but forget about the celebrate part. Yeah. Religion will do that too at times. Right? It'll just, you'll come away just feeling, man, this is all the things I've done wrong. And we trust that you don't leave here today feeling that. No. That you're going to see whatever situation you're facing, that God's got you. He loves you, and he has a great life for you, and you're not the statistic that anybody creates about you or your children, that you've got a chance to have a victory in every area of their life. Luke 15, 11 to 24, and this is from the Passion Version. It's kind of easy English to read. It says, The loving Father... Then Jesus said, once there was a father with two sons, the younger son came to the father and said, Father, don't you think it's time to give me my share of your estate? So the father went ahead and distributed between the two sons their inheritance. There's a lot of situations, important situations in our children that they're going to ask, and as they ask and they get older, we know the consequences are much more severe. And that's the biggest challenge as a parent, because you're not quite certain that they're going to be able to manage what they do at that time. But if you step in all the time, that'd be like if, and, and maybe that is, should put a picture about you. If God stepped in and rescued you all the time, mm. how would you even grow? Yeah, it's true. You know, it's not like, it, I'm going to date myself, the 1960s, bewitched. Maybe I shouldn't even say witched, but remember, you guys remember that? She'd go like that and everything would just go away, right? And yeah. she and her husband used to get so mad. Boy, am I really dating myself? <laughs> because, Nobody yeah, before. okay, let's forget about that. Let's move on. <laughs> That one, you have to Google that or YouTube, I guess. There's a lot of important situations in our kids' lives, and part of parenting is watching carefully in those times and allowing it to happen, allowing them to take on that responsibility. I was recently at a wedding at The Miz it's downtown, Pastor Daniel Zapula. If you haven't heard of him, he's an amazing guy. And he did this wedding. I do a lot of weddings, but I got to sit and listen at this one, which was amazing. I love what he did in this ceremony, too. Both parents of both kids had, had been in marriage their entire life. So like, that, that's pretty rare nowadays, mm. right, that both parents are still together and the kids are. So that's, that it just means, means that they may manage some stuff, right? Yeah. But at this point, he had both the bride and groom turn to their parents and said, look at them they did everything they can for you up to this point now it's up to you you know like that's a big transition oh you want to be married (laughs) this is okay where life starts and then children hopefully it's in that order because it's just a little bit simpler that way but i love that he put that challenge to them he made them look and go okay look back do you want this? And then he said in his vows, I love these vows. It was so good. He said, are you sure you're going to take them in sickness and in health? Are you sure? And they would, I was just, I thought it was funny. I don't know if you guys don't think it's funny, but are you sure for richer or poor? Are you sure you're going to stay with this guy for richer or poor? And it, it was like, wow. I was like, that was so good, Daniel. Like, I love that because it's like, we don't, we don't even have the faith to believe for them, but they're anxious yeah. for it. So we understand. So I'm not even sure about the situation of this parable. I don't know if his dad was ticked off, like, phew, get out of my hair, take it, gone. But really what that meant was he was dead to him. Mm. He's basically saying, Dad, you're gone, man. Because you don't usually get an inheritance until the parents are gone. Yeah. Right? To ask for it early is kind of like, no, I don't need you anymore. So it's double the insult. Yeah. So I'm, I'm commanding this father going, okay, you're going to go. So our role in parent, as parents is not raising kids, but raising adults. Because we know that adult choices are going to have adult consequences. And that's really difficult to watch as a parent. We want to have their responsibility with responsibility. What are their abilities in responding? That's what I would challenge you. Every situation your child faces coming home from school. And again, we're, we're done with that. We've we got, we got grandkids in that age. But you still have that opportunity to go, okay, what lesson did you learn today? Yeah. Not that they made a mistake, but how could they have done just a little bit better? And I guarantee that you'll find it in God's word. The proper response in those things. So it's not like we have to invent this stuff ourselves. Come up with good parent hacks. The Bible's full of great parent hacks, right? Love one another. Forgive, right? Turn the other cheek. There's so many things. I don't know how many parents say that, but I don't know, some parents just say sock them on in the face. But that might be a situation that's, that's true too, as well in that. In Luke 15, shortly afterward, the younger son packed up all his belongings, traveled off to see the world he journeyed to a far-off land where he soon wasted all he was given in a binge of extravagant and reckless living. With everything spent on and nothing left, he grew hungry because there was a severe famine in the land. So it makes it sound like this son was careless. And I know when I heard this, it was like, oh, there's other versions talking about it was with, you know the lady the ladies right he was spending money on ladies you know I'm not gonna say what it is but there was it was probably not the the most reputable situation so they made it sound like this guy was like just doing all these things but then it also so we often focus on that oh boy what a terrible thing to do but there's also a famine in the land Mm -hmm. right so some of these responsibilities that our kids are going to face are because of their own choices and some of it is just a result of a broken world choose wisely in those things in those situations and you have to look at each situation differently And it gets really difficult for parents because often when we see our kids and we try and direct them differently we see the reflection of ourselves (laughs) we're like oh my gosh you know and that's one thing we've learned when we do a lot of care and counseling Um, you'll see you'll see a couple coming to us and we'll hear the husband's story and dad was never supportive and he never told me you know he was there I knew he loved me but you know he was pretty strict and he worked a lot and never saw him much and and then and then we hear the present marriage situation and the wife's saying He's always working and he, never, he doesn't get along with the kids, but they failed to see it until I just say, you know, dude, do you, do you kind of see like the apple didn't fall far from the tree and now was your opportunity to make that change. Yeah. You know, like you know what it was like. And I have to commend my kids because I never I didn't even taught any of my kids how to drive. They just learned. I, Levi, I did a little bit. <laughs> but they, I just figured I learned on my own. Like I, I watched other dads, you know, and other guys and I, I just did it myself because I had to. So I had to tell my kids, I said, man, there's some things I let you guys down. I didn't know, but now it's your opportunity, right? Do it better. I'm not saying I'm all that, but you can do that at that time. So there's a a real important season in these challenges. There's going to be times where as parents we're going to go, this is tough to watch because, again, it's a reflection of how well I've done and where I've failed because of my own mismanagement of my own physical and, and mental health. You know, and we talk, Tindy just talked about that. You have to take care of yourself. And if, if you have to take more breaks, take more breaks. Do our kids know what they value, what you value? They, they will remember how you made them feel. Yes, it's true. You know, because I, I can remember every situation how I felt. I don't remember all the circumstances, but I remember how people made me feel. And it was the dads that, that I saw that said, man, we're going to do this and it's going to be crazy and we're going to have a blast. and we're gonna, I was like, man, I want to be like that dad or that mom. Be that person that makes the best of your present situation. And that's how you're going to learn. There's a movie, old movie called The Beautiful Life. I don't know if you've seen it. It's, it's Gerard. It's like, it's like it's in subtitles. But it was about a, a father, a Jewish father and his son in a concentration camp. And how he he went through the whole camp and made, made everything just in a concentration camp. Made it look like we got this and we can do this. Like that, To me that was inspiring. Because I like, man, this is a crazy world. But how can we be the ones that celebrate Things in life and, and just trusting God in certain situations. We celebrate the differences in each other. That's another one of our culture codes. You know, in a, in a church this big and raising people and helping people grow, there's, there's a lot of different opinions, but what can we agree on? So sometimes as a parent, they're going to have different tastes than you or different fears, and, and you should celebrate that individualism. I'm not keen on heights, but I remember my kids getting, you know, we'd rent a hotel and be up on a balcony. I'd go, don't go out there. It's not safe. <laughs> ah, you know, get back, and my kid would be looking over. Oh, this is awesome. I love it. I'm like, why do I, why do I let my, my inhibitions on my kids, my fears? So celebrate it. Go, man, he's got this. Man, that's so good. That's not me. You know how proud they're going to be? They're going to make them feel like, man, I got this better than my dad. That's what we want them to think, yeah. right? Yeah. That's good. And again, we align even if we don't agree. There's different values the same way, but our values should be where we align on. This is what's important to us. Verse 15, so we begged a farmer in that country, remember there's a famine, to hire him. The farmer hired him and sent him out to feed the pigs. The son was so famished, he was willing even to eat the slop of the pigs because no one would feed him a thing. It's not that we want our kids to be famished, but there's some times in, those, in our lives that we're going to have to watch. And, and our pain at that time isn't going to be comfortable, but there's a lesson that our kids are going to get in those times. That's just being a reality of the world, and I love faith, I love it all, but, but there's sometimes that it's just, it's, we don't have answers for these situations, but we do, have, we do have answers in what we know about what God loves us, and how he can give us direction, and there's an opportunity to love somebody in these situations that they're facing, and that's the best lessons that you're ever going to give them. So it's difficult to watch our kids when they're in the slop. But it's also a time to find out what they're made of and who God is yeah. in those times. Humiliated, verse 17, the son finally realized what he was doing. And I love that because the NIV version says it was a, it was a young man's wake-up call when he came to himself. And I know when I, when I hear people saying, I'm just not myself anymore. And we hear that a lot. And it's very common when you feel lost and everything's falling apart around you. But look deep inside yourself to find out what lesson am I going to learn in this thing. Am I going to be happier in five years from now? Are they going to be happier in five years from now? Because there's, there's a choice, a real kairos time in that trial that you can make some choices that are going to have different fruit for you in the years to come. So he finally realized what he was doing, and he thought, there are many workers in my father's house that have food, and they want plenty to spare. They lack nothing. Why am I here dying of hunger, feeding these pigs, and eating their slop? And sometimes, again, there's a famine, right? So sometimes we suffer from the worldly decisions, and sometimes we suffer because our own choices. Yeah. And that's a good thing to identify without pointing fingers at them, is to say, like, do you see there's a responsibility in this? You know, that's the biggest lesson is when you can take ownership of it. And when they take ownership of their own slop, their own situation, that's when we know that there's gonna, they're going to be fine we can watch and celebrate with them because there's, there's, they've learned that lesson in that situation. 18 says, I want to go back to my father's house and I'll say to him, Father, I was wrong. I've sinned against you. I'll never again be worthy to be called your son. Please, Father, just treat me like one of your employees. So the son sets off home for home. So in that in that verse there, when he says, "I, I just I want treat me like one of your employees. You know, there must be some work that I can do. You know, I have to do that we'd believe in religion what do I need to do show me that the things I don't do and tell me what to do in that situation because he was like I got to be able to do something but the father's response there's so much value in this of how this son would have felt that it would have made the biggest impression in his life because it said from a long distance away right a long distance away his father saw him coming dressed as a beggar and great compassion swelled up in his heart for his son who was returning home. The father raced to meet him and swept him up in his arms, hugged him dearly and kissed him over and over with tender love. Didn't ask him one question. And, and, I, and I, when I look at this, the discipleship part, I love this story because mm-hmm. at that time, we, we, we say we'll do anything short of sin to reach people. We'll do anything in this church to reach people with the good news of who Jesus is. But back then, he broke every rule because he was, he was an old man. And I don't know about you, but I, I as an old man don't run like... An athlete. Right. And as well, he had to he probably would have had to lift up his because he had those outfits, right? So it would have showed his legs. I don't know what else, but he could have been in a really compromising situation, but he didn't care. He ran to his his son. He didn't wait for him to come to him. He ran. That's an example of what God's love is for us. So if we can look for those up op- examples and, and make that impression on our kids. Like, I'm, I'm going to run to you. When I see that change made in your life, man, we are going to celebrate. Yeah. And he continued. Then the son said, Father, I was wrong. I've sinned against you. I could never deserve to be called your son. Just let me be. And the father interrupted him and said, no, you're home. That's what God says to you. Whatever your situation you're facing today, you're home. He's got you. You don't go another day carrying that guilt of that of that sin or that missing the mark or whatever situation you're facing. Look at how much God loves you. Look at his word and looking for the direction, looking for the lesson in your situation. And if you haven't got that answer, talk to somebody about it because there's likely somebody around you that's gone through that. And if you're the only one facing those challenges, that's okay. Parallel. That's what we come alongside in those situations. His father kissed him over and over with tender love. Love is our greatest weapon against any challenge we face with our kids. Love them well. Greatest thing we can do for others is love them as well. People coming to Christ, coming to this church, checking it out. Come with whatever you are. I don't care what your story is. You're coming home and you're in your home. And celebrate with them what they they can achieve. Put those things in a priority in their life. Then the son said, Father, I was wrong. I've sinned against you. I could never deserve to be called your son. He kept saying it, let me be. Father interrupted. Then he turned to his servants. The father said, Quick, bring me the best robe, the very my very own robe. I will place it on his shoulders. Bring me the ring, the seal of sonship, sonship, and I'll put on his finger. Put it on his finger. And bring me the best shoes. Sidney just said, There's shoes in the Bible.
1: Shoes. But, <laughs> I knew it was in know, there.
0: Bring me the best shoes. That means Amazon's coming to your house. <laughs> bring me the best shoes. You can find for my son. Let's prepare a great feast and celebrate. For my beloved son was once dead, now he's alive. Be the one that churns those situations of death into life for your kids. Whatever it is. And there's going to be some bad situations, I'll guarantee it. But you can turn it from death to life. Because once the son was dead to the father, he didn't let his insecurities. That's a true dad or a parent. But they don't let the broken world wear you out to the point that you hurt them as well. And you can do that so well with that love and that God's got that love in you. That's why you're in this thing. It's so exciting to see. He says, for once he was lost, but now he's found. And everything, and everyone's celebrated with overflowing joy. I'm not sure that we always remember how to celebrate with our kids or with other people. But every step we do in at parallel church, we try and celebrate with people. Baptism, begin serving, taking a little bit more responsibility for, for your journey. Um, Taking responsibility for your own areas of your life, your faith, your family, your fun, your finances, your fitness, taking those responsibilities. We see people doing that. We want to champion them in those things because there's opportunities to look at the moment to party rather than to bring judgment, right? And again, as a parent, sometimes you'll look through your own insecurities about your own life, but you got to know that God's got the areas that you don't. So today's takeaway is parenting, is communicating and demonstrating what Jesus is like. Just love people, just love them. And as you do that, God's gonna give you uh, a roadmap for that, right, in that direction because you're gonna get it from his word by attending, by connecting, by studying, like Cindy said, doing research. Imagine if we all did our part while well, I'm in the space to trust God because we can do so much. And that was the thing for us, like we're, we do a lot of care and a lot of counseling and then we weren't able to help. But God was still involved in our situation. We know he was, even beyond all we did. He he came through, and he's coming through. I want to just read this, Psalm 119.11. It says, how can a young person live a clean life? Because I read this just after I did my message in Clarissa, but I loved it. It said, how can a young person live a clean life? By carefully reading the map of your word. I'm single-minded in pursuit of you. That's single-minded. It's just me in pursuit of you. You're a single parent. You're a parent in a different situation. Be single-minded in your pursuit of God. Don't let me miss the road signs you've posted. I've banked your promises in the vault of my heart so I won't send myself bankrupt. Be blessed, God. Train me in your ways of wise living. That's the best example we can be for our kids. Best one. And I, I love this. It says, don't miss the road signs you've posted. And when, when I, I do a lot of, again, when we meet with people, I, I'll say, you know, where are you now? You're, you're a little lost. You're a little bit off track. But back in my day, we had maps. Remember, anybody got maps in the glove box? You'd pull them out, and you'd be asking the person, okay, what road is this? Oh, you're at Sunnyside Road. Okay, um, what's the next one? Oh, okay, it's Broxburn. Where's Broxburn Road? Back there. <laughs> you already went past it, right? You don't have one turn left in 400 meters, right? But if you go, if you go past it, Help me read the signs you've posted. Don't let me miss the road signs. If you do, just turn around. That's all he asks you is just turn around. You're in the wrong direction. And that's not judgment. That's like, why would you keep going in that direction? <laughs> Don't let it beat you up. Just turn around, go back, get on track. There's a lesson in there for you and your kids. That's a life. That's a life that they're going to learn to have fruit and health. Let's pray. God, we thank you for every person here, Lord, whether they're a parent, a single parent, God, whether they're just leading somebody in this journey of faith. Lord, we just pray, God, that you would just give them your love for those people. Lord, Get us, let us to be the best example of what your love is like to other people. God, help us to step out of the way with our own emotions or with our own problems, our own insecurities, God, and that we would just be able to raise others, including our children, to be like you. And wherever our frailty is, God, we thank you. That you fill in that gap, God. That you are the one who's strong. That will lead us and direct them to a life of following you of adventure and and, and love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, I, I don't know where I'd be. Again, I say this every time when we talk about... Coming into a relationship with God, Romans talks about confessing with your mouth. But three years into our marriage, Cindy and I thought, okay, there's got to be more to this journey where we were. And this is just before we had kids, and we're like, we started exploring this faith journey. And I remember we even had a we had a nursery. Remember that one house we set up with a nursery? We never had a baby there. <laughs> she was a little anxious, but um, we're like, okay, we're waiting. But um, it was then that God got a hold of us and said, okay, you don't want to go this alone. Because there's going to be some brokenness. And then sure enough, we had Cody. And then a few months after that, one of her best, her best friend, who helped lead us into this church was killed in a car accident. Life was broken. But man, are we so grateful that we asked for some help through God, through our relationship with Jesus. And uh, it's just vital for your future. And this, I'm not desperate for you, but only because of the lessons that you can learn right? Because this is not the, it's not perfect out there, but with him it's better. So I'm going to ask, lead you guys in a prayer, and that's what it is. Romans says, you confess with your mouth, he's Lord, he's, he's in your life, comes into your heart. You guys want to pray this with me. Dear Jesus, I confess that you are God. I believe that you died and rose again. I ask you to become my Lord, my God, my Savior, my guide. I thank you for forgiving me of all my mistakes and that I get a new start with you. I give you my heart. In Jesus' name we pray. And that's an important statement to make. And, and if you've done that, we'd love to help you in any way you can be on that journey. I'd challenge you to come back, but there's a Connect card in the seat pocket in front of you would fill that out. I could ask you to give me a wave, but I think it's more important that um, you could just go to the next steps table. Just give us a little bit of information. We're not, we don't track you down, but if you've made that decision today, let us know and we can, we can help you with that without hassling you, that you can get some direction for your life. So when it comes at you, you're along with somebody that can help you uh, through those situations.